Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Kylay, back with episode 17 of the Midnight Snacks with Kylay podcast. And uh, yeah, it's been a pretty busy week. I've had a busy week. There's been plenty of news going on in the sports world, so we got plenty to get into. I'm going to try to keep this episode quick, really make this uh, more of a bite-sized show, if you will. So first and foremost, last weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend, the College Football National Championship game. Previewed that in the uh, the hour-long special I did with Noah and Sean last episode. Check that one out if you haven't. And, well, I guess at this point, uh, actually, no, check that one out. There's still some good stuff at the end that, that might be worth listening to. Just good time hanging out with the boys. Look, check that one out if you haven't. But, yeah, college football national championship game, Alabama, Ohio State. You know, Ohio State, they, they were hanging around early. They, they played a good, you know, quarter and a half-ish, quarter, quarter and a half. You know, Trey Sermon got hurt, uh, like, first, second play of the game, did not return. And Justin Fields was clearly playing with a bit of discomfort, pain, injury. And didn't look great, but he had he had a couple good moments early in that game. But realistically, Alabama just dominated. This is one of the best college football teams we've ever seen. Quite possibly the best Alabama team Nick Saban has ever coached. You know, they might not be better than last year's LSU team, which is also just ridiculous, but that's the kind of company they're in. They're right there with them, neck and neck, no matter which team you prefer. Devontae Smith, he's a cheat code. The numbers he put up in the first half, I think it was like 12, 230, three touchdowns. He got hurt early in the third quarter, didn't return. He could have maybe had 400 yards in that game if he stayed healthy. Absolutely ridiculous from the Heisman Trophy winner. Probably played himself into a top 5-10 pick in the draft. I can't really see him slipping too far past 5 or 6. Maybe a little bit, but realistically, what a season he's had. Incredible for his draft stock. Great season at Alabama. And it's just this Alabama team, their offense, just ridiculous. Averaged over 49 points a game. Notre Dame held him to 31. And that legitimately was a great defensive performance when you look at how great this team's been. Najee Harris, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle when he played. He played a little bit. A little scary. He was definitely hobbled with the limp. He did not look great, but got out there in the championship game. They also got Landon Dickerson out there for the kneel down, the center with the knee injury in the SEC championship game. That was cool to see. Ohio State, you know, they didn't play terrible. They lost a couple defensive linemen before the game, so they were weakened in the trenches, and just Alabama steamrolled them pretty much what we were expecting. Alabama, better team than Ohio State. So they took care of business, as you would expect. Nick Saban's got his seven championships now, the GOAT for college football. Definitely, you know, there's some great coaches going back, but definitely the greatest coach we've seen in in this century. I'd say ever, but of course, just ridiculous. You have to be so impressed by what he's done year in and year out. Since he got to Alabama, any player that he's recruited that has stuck around for three or more years excuse me, three or more years, has won a national championship. And he's been there since, I believe, 2006 or 2007, whichever year it was he first got there. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I think this is his sixth title at Alabama. He had one at LSU before he came over, had that stint in the NFL. Just ridiculous how great he's been. And just we almost take it for granted now. It's And it's these last couple of teams that have won, and even teams that haven't won the last couple of years have probably been better than the teams from 10 years ago because they've had that elite offense that they always had a solid team, but they were built around their defense in the first half of the dynasty. This team put up 50 points a game, and it's just incredible to see the way that when they were struggling against those Ole Miss teams from 2014-ish, when uh, I think uh, Hugh Freeze was still there, they decided, hey, you know what? We're struggling against this kind of fast-paced, explosive offense. We're going to do that, we're going to do it better, and we're still going to keep our great defense, and they've done it, and that's what this year's team was. Just an all-time great team. 
Uh, I think this was the first Saban team to actually have an undefeated season. Maybe the second. I actually don't remember. But either way, played a full SEC schedule, which I don't think matters too much because the cupcake games are probably going to be wins anyway. They usually play a tough non-conference game. They always win at the beginning of the year. But they played that extra SEC game as well, 10-0 in the SEC. Won the SEC championship game, cleaned up, I guess 9-0 in the SEC, and then finished 12-0. and And yeah, great Alabama team. What what else can you say? So many superlatives, great offense, just unstoppable team. And, you know, they went out on top. They deserve to go out on top because they were quite clearly the best team in the country this year. Throughout 13-0, excuse me, they did play 10, 10 games in the SEC. So I was right the first time. 10-0 in the SEC, won the championship game, and the two playoff games just absolutely unreal stuff from them great performance for them so that's your college game monday night oh also the overhit well depending on what line you got it was 76 total points even though no one scored for the last like nine minutes so if you got the line when it was 76 and a half i do feel bad but i got it at 75 so the overhit for me so i was right to hammer the over we got that going for us so that's college football uh we'll get into the super wild card weekend a bit when we preview the divisional games but Really quick, we're going to move over to the James Harden trade because massive NBA trade. James Harden to the Nets where if Kyrie Irving comes back, they have a big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. That's just stupid amount of scoring on one team. Yeah, there's questions about who's going to play defense. And the Nets had to give up a lot of like their culture roster guys that fill out that roster, including Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, uh, Kurooks. You know, quality players, but... You know, James Harden's James Harden. When he's on, he's worth having around. But, of course, you know, he, there's been the overweight, you know, speculation that he hasn't worked hard this year and the pictures of him in warm-ups where he just looks massive and how much does he care? What kind of shape is he in? Like, yeah, that's a legitimate concern. But if James Harden plays like the James Harden we've seen, he's won the scoring title three years in a row, That that's a big-time ad. And Kevin Durant looks like he's Kevin Durant again after the Achilles. Kyrie, he's walked away from the team and... Plenty of speculation there about whether he'll come back at all, if he's going to retire, what he's going to do. But if he comes back, I, you can't stop that offense. You just can't. I know it's a lot of isolation. I think they're three of the top six or seven players all time in terms of like isolation usage or just usage in general where the ball's in their hands. There's only so much ball to go around, but I think they'll figure it out. Kevin Durant's been on this kind of super team before. I know Kyrie wanted to get out from LeBron's shadow, but these are the guys he's wanted to play with. So if he comes back, You'd like to imagine he'd be, you know, he'd be willing to share the ball a little bit. Kevin Durant, I think, he'll be fine sharing the ball. He knows he's the guy at the end of the game anyway. He'll be the guy taking the big shots. James Harden, if he just gets back on track, gets in that mindset of wanting to be a leader, wanting to be a superstar, he should be fine. But, you know, he hasn't looked like that so far this season. He's got to get back to that for this team to be a contender. But realistically, this team still has some roster issues with they had to trade away Jared Allen. They don't have a ton in the middle, they don't have a ton on defense. Jared Allen was the rim protector. He was their big man. They weren't rebounding very well with him. Now they don't have him. They don't have a replacement for him, really. It's just DeAndre Jordan, pretty much, now, in terms of notable centers, and he's past it. He's he's old. He's washed. So, plenty of question marks still. They gave up four first-round picks, four pick swaps for the next eight years. A little bit like that Celtics trade that you know, bottomed the franchise out. I don't think it'll end that poorly, because even if this trade doesn't work, the Nets are going to be a decent team. Like, they're not going to just fall off a cliff like they did with the aging Celtic superstars. That's not going to happen. I can't imagine that happening. I really can't. But they might not win a championship because the Lakers still look like a better team because they've got that size. They play a little bit better defense, even if the scoring's not there. But at the same time, 
you have Kevin Durant on your team, I'll take my chances. Plus two other superstars. Like, legitimate superstars. Kyrie and James Harden. Not just good players. Like, legitimate superstars. But, yeah. You know, they gave up a lot. Four players, four picks, and four pick swaps. That's cost getting a superstar. Uh, it disgruntled a lot of that with James Harden. But we'll see if it works out for the Nets. Definitely look like one of the two or three best teams in the East if they weren't already. Milwaukee's probably still their uh, toughest contender. Philadelphia maybe as well, who was also in on Harden with former Rockets GM uh, Daryl Morey. They didn't get him, but those look like the big three in the East right now. I guess Miami still, with what they did last year in the bubble, they've got to be in that conversation. But the Nets look like they have as good a chance as anybody of, of going to the finals representing the East against probably the Lakers. I mean, I'll give the Lakers the edge since they're the champions. The, the Clippers, maybe they'll figure it out in the playoffs. Who knows? But, you know, plenty to work out there who gets to the finals. There's good teams in both conferences. But the Nets took a big step forward. They, they're going all in on this team now. You know, they, they've built up this culture to attract superstars, and now they can expend those pieces out to get a superstar in to complete that big three. They're going all in on it. The goal is to win a championship. If they don't win a championship, it's going to be a failure. But I still don't see it being nearly as big a failure as that trade with the Celtics was back, you know, six years ago, wherever it was now, that just basemented the franchise and gave top three picks to Boston. It's not going to be that bad, but you got to win a championship or it's not, or you lost the trade. That's basically what the Nets are saying. We'll see if they get it done. You know, it's not just a one-year window. They got next year, but eventually the window is not going to be eight years. They've got a decent chance to win a championship, but they've got to win one. That's the end goal there. So that's the NBA trade. couple NFL head coaching hires, uh, Arthur Smith to the Falcons. I like it, I guess. Good offensive guy. You know, they might take quarterback. Who knows? We'll see what they're doing. But the, the big ones were uh, Urban Meyer to Jacksonville, the former college coach, uh, notably Florida and Ohio State. He's going to get the chance to coach Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. It's a bit of a weird one just because he's the kind of college coach where he's a great recruiter. You can't really recruit in the NFL. But at the same time, everywhere he's gone, he's won. So if he wins in Jacksonville, great. There's always been the longevity questions. He doesn't stay with programs very long. Never really been a long-term guy. So we'll see how that you know goes down, goes down in Jacksonville. But at the same time, he's been a winner. I don't really love it. It seems like a bit of a weird one to me, but at the same time, I'm not going to be surprised at all if it works. And if it works, it's going to be a home run. And he's been a guy, all he does is win. If he wins there, great. That's what Jacksonville needs more than anything. They need a guy that can win. So on that basis, yeah, I guess I like it. But I still think it's a little weird that out of any coach on the market this year, I know there's not a ton of just slam dunk, this is the guy we have to hire coaches. They went with a guy that was a college guy, never really had NFL time. And his big, his best strength more than anything else is that he recruits really well. Because, you know, as much as, yeah, you can make pitches to free agents, you can relate to guys coming out of school that you just drafted because you've coached college players. But it's a little little bit of a weird one. But at the same time, fair enough, Jacksonville. If that's the guy you wanted, you got him. All that matters is that he wins. And the other big head coaching hire so far has been the Jets with Robert Sala. And, you know, I like it. I kind of just, you know, all the rumors were that he was going to go to Detroit because he's from there. Uh, he grew up in Michigan. And he's, he's like, probably the hottest head coach on the market the last couple of years, him and Eric Bieniemy. He's the defensive coordinator from San Francisco, and they've had a great defense. Even this year, it was a pretty solid defense, despite basically the whole defense getting hurt. So that's exciting. Guy with a ton of energy. Basically, the anti-Adam Gase is the big comparison we've been seeing. And on that basis, yeah, love it. 
anything but Adam Gase. So, again, and he's going to bring over, uh, I think, uh, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, uh, his younger brother. He's been out there. I think he was the passing game coordinator in San Francisco. It's between him and Mike McDaniel, the run game coordinator. So he's going to bring over the Shanahan offense from San Francisco, a guy he's worked with before. That's good to see. You know, no one really knows what the Jets are doing yet. I think a lot of people expect them to take a quarterback too, but there's been some reports like Adam Schefter saying that they want to stick with Darnold. Who knows? No one really knows anything at this point. Bottom line, Salah and uh, Joe Douglas, the GM, they both seem like guys that physical type football guys, big energy guy with Salah, Joe Douglas, former offensive lineman, wants to build the trenches. It's a team that's going to hustle, play physical, and build football that way. Like they, It seems like they're big like trench guys. They want to hustle, play hard. Not the flashiest, but more like grit, grind results, football guy types. So I like it in that aspect. I kind of just assumed he was going to Detroit with all the rumors. So I wasn't expecting him to come to the Jets, but once the rumors started getting out there, yeah, I, I was behind it. Probably my uh, the top choice I could have had for the Jets. It was probably him or the enemy that I would have liked, but right now the Jets need that guy to bring in that energy. Not that the enemy would have been a bad choice, but I love that Saul is so animated on the sideline, all that. The energy has, players love playing for him. That's the exact opposite of what Adam Gase was. So in that sense, I love it. That's great. And, you know, it, it was a bit of a shock that he wasn't hired last year. Now he gets his chance. Awesome to see. First-time head coach. Not really too worried about it because he's he seems like he's got everything figured out in the sense that he relates the players well, energy, communication on the sideline. That's stuff that should translate well to head coaching. So excited for that. We'll see how it actually goes because, you know, the Jets, you know, no matter how good something looks, they always find a way to screw it up. So not going to get my hopes up too high, but I do like the hire. So those are the three NFL head coaching hires so far. That's that in terms of uh, like the, the bad playoff or the teams that didn't make playoffs, bad teams figuring out their futures. There's been a couple GM hires as well. Uh, the Lions and I think the Panthers are down to finalists. The Lions got their guy. So GM stuff going on as well, but the big head coaching uh, hires so far. Arthur Smith from the Titans to the Falcons. The Jets get Robert Sala, and the Jaguars get Urban Meyer. So that's big stuff there, but that leads us into tomorrow when Divisional Weekend gets underway. Four games this weekend, two Saturday, two Sunday. So the two tomorrow and Saturday starts off Green Bay and the Rams out in Lambeau. The Rams are going to be going with Jared Goff and his injured thumb because uh, John Walford had that neck injury when he got hit by Jamal Adams last week in Seattle. He's out. And then the backup's going to be Blake Bortles, which we all love Blake Bortles. Go Blake. But, but the big the big story here is that it's going to be Green Bay and the probable NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers and that great offense going up against the number one defense. And Aaron Donald was ridiculous last week in Seattle. If he played, And they shut down Russell Wilson every time they played them this season. They've got that Seahawks offense figured out. But if Aaron Donald has a game like he played last week, and I know he's dealing with a little bit of that ribs thing, but they said he's good to go. I'm expecting an Aaron Donald-like performance. If he plays like the best defensive player in the league, like he's capable of, this will be a great game. If the Rams' defense struggles, the Packers are going to win pretty comfortably, in my opinion. But if this, the Rams need to play like they did last week, if their defense shows up like they did last week, this should be a great game. Because I don't know how much the Rams are going to be able to move the ball. Because their offense has been very hit or miss at times, even with McVay coaching. And Goff, even though he played last week and played well enough, he still wasn't great. You know, he was all right. But the banged up thumb, he's still not super comfortable. They won that game because of how great their defense was. And their defense is going to need to be great against Green Bay. Devontae Adams, 
best receiver in football, probably with the amount of touchdowns he hauled in. Like I think it was 16 or 17. Just ridiculous there. Aaron Rodgers, MVP type season. Resurgence. Not so much even a resurgence. Like he's always been good. But like he's back to the Aaron Rodgers that won a Super Bowl level the way he's played this year. Just absolutely ridiculous. They'll be up at Lambeau. They got that home field. They had the bye to get healthy last week. I still like the Packers in that one. To me, they've been clearly the best team in the NFC. They're a bit like almost boring at times, even with an MVP quarterback, because they're just so methodical. And it seems like they just go up and down the field, punch in for a touchdown, and they just do what they do. Like it's it's so they make it look so easy at times that it's not even really like fun to watch. Like, okay, well they're just gonna march it down the field and score, and they're gonna do it again, and they're gonna do it again, and they're gonna do it again. And that's how it's felt like watching them this year. They've just felt in control. They also haven't played a ton of great teams, but you know, they got blown out by, uh, who was it, Tampa Bay that one time down in Tampa Bay. They went up early and they gave up 38 straight. Other than that, they've looked really solid all year. I know like they've lost other games, of course. The second half in Indy wasn't great, but they've really looked solid down the stretch. You know, they got scared a little bit by the Bears, but at the same time, you know, they pulled away in that one when they needed to. I kind of expect a similar one here. I think the Rams will put up a great fight because it's a great offense and a great defense. I know historically the great defense wins, but to me, the Packers have just been ridiculously good this year, and the defense isn't anything to slouch is a slouch either. So, to me, I got Green Bay in this one. But I do think it'll be pretty close. I think it'll be like Green Bay 27-17, and that final score will get stretched out a bit in the fourth quarter. Expecting maybe like 17-14, 20-17, heading to the fourth kind of thing. More on the low scoring side, but it'll be pretty close throughout. Should be a good game. To get the weekend kicked off. Then we go out to Baltimore, Buffalo up in Buffalo Saturday night. Chance of snow, which would be awesome. And this is probably the game I'm most excited Actually, no, it's definitely the game I'm most excited for because both teams played great games last weekend. Baltimore went into Tennessee, absolutely deleted Derrick Henry from that game. Derrick Henry was invisible because the Ravens just took him out of that game completely with their game plan. They played great against him, held him to just 40 yards. He was nowhere to be found. And Lamar Jackson finally gets that first playoff win. That... It, it was a slow start. He had that bad interception off on Butler, but the 45-yard run was probably the play of the weekend. Just turned on the afterburners to the point where it was like no one should be able to run that fast on a football field. He was making cornerbacks and safeties look slow with how fast he's going, and he played fantastically. This is a team that's played great for about five weeks now. Their defense looked great. There's been some questions at times about that defense. They kind of got torched by the Browns back on Monday Night Football uh, back in the middle of December. But they looked great against Tennessee. You couldn't really ask for a better game to get ready for a divisional week. Like, that's as good a game as you could expect for a team wildcard weekend on the road. Great performance for Baltimore. They look every bit the team that they, uh, well, actually this year they weren't that great, but they look every bit a team that should be playing divisional weekend. They look like more of the team that was 14-2 last year than the team that started out, whatever it was, 6-5 and five this year. That was really struggling. And that Tennessee-Baltimore rivalry, if you will, is electric. They had that game in Baltimore where Derrick Henry ran it in for an overtime touchdown. They had the playoff game last year, but the the Titans dancing on the logo at the uh, start of the game, pregame warmups back in November. Ravens returned the favor at, returned the favor after the game winning interception. Really heated rivalry there. It's a shame they're not going to play next year because I think we'd all love to see that. But regardless, Baltimore they played great, but the Bills played pretty well themselves in their home game against the Colts. It got a little closer in the fourth quarter than Buffalo would have liked, but they didn't play their best game. They still looked pretty good, in my opinion. Josh Allen led a couple 90-yard touchdown drives, and it's just when he's clicking, 
it's an offense that you're just not going to keep down. Stephon Diggs has been great. Cole Beasley's been great. Gabriel Davis has been a real threat on the outside. He made a couple of great catches right before halftime, which was the big drive in that one. The Colts got stopped on fourth and goal. Phillip Rivers just overthrew Pittman. The Bills went 96 yards before the half scored. Then they just kind of took over the game from there. Colts got back into it late, but didn't have enough to finish it out. And I think the Bills, they'll be better this week. They don't have Zach Moss. He's on IR. He hurt. He got hurt in the game against Indianapolis. But I still think the Bills, it scares me a little bit because they've been almost too hot in a way where you look at a team that's won as many games in a row as Buffalo has. You think that maybe they're due for a loss, but this is the two hottest teams in the AFC colliding. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. Baltimore's peaking at the right time. Buffalo, they were just blowing teams out, so they've peaked at the right time. I think they'll be better this week than they were last week against Indy because I think maybe some playoff nerves. They hadn't gotten that playoff win either, so both Jackson and Allen got their first playoff win. This should be a great game. I kind of hope it snows in Buffalo because we all love snow football. These are, you know, Buffalo, not a great run defense, so I think that favors Baltimore. But something about Buffalo this year, it's just they find ways to get it done. You know, saw it against Indy. They didn't look great at times. But when they needed to, they just went the length of the field. And Josh Allen is just, you know, he if it's not Aaron Rodgers, he's probably the second-best MVP candidate this year. He's right up there with anybody else. So they're at home, too. There's, I think, only 6,000 members of Bill's Mafia in the stadium, but they sound like 20. Got home field advantage might make a difference, might not. Tennessee also had 15,000 fans. Baltimore didn't seem to mind that at all. So this is a real, real toss-up there. But I do think that Buffalo is going to edge it out slightly. Again, like this is going to be game of the weekend, in my opinion. Give me Buffalo. Uh, 28-24 seems a bit low scoring, but I think it'll be around there. 31-27 Buffalo. Let's go with that for our predictions. I just think both teams are going to be going back and forth, punch or punch, and it's just going to be whoever makes more plays late. I think the snow, see, it helps Baltimore because They're a bit more of a run-first offense, and Buffalo's struggled a bit against the run. But something to me just seems, the snow seems like something Josh Allen would just thrive in. Because, you know, he was up there in Wyoming, he's used to playing crappy weather, he's up there in Buffalo, plenty of crappy weather in his career. And I think that's just going to come down to, they need a drive from him late. Snow or no snow, it doesn't really matter. He's going to find a way to get the job done. Because that's just what he's done all year. And not that Lamar Jackson hasn't, he's gone on plenty of drives himself. And Justin Tucker, of course, is a weapon in the playoffs. But this seems like the kind of game where it's going to be 24-24, the Ravens are going to go down. Tucker's going to hit a big field goal or something to tie it up or give the Ravens a lead for like a minute and a half to go, and the Josh Allen's going to come right back down and answer with Tyler Bass hitting a field goal. He's going to punch in for a touchdown himself, and it's going to be one of those games. Whoever gets the ball last is going to win, and I think the Bills, they'll, they're going to get the last shot playing at home, and I think Josh Allen's going to get the job done. That's just how I think it's going to go down, but either way, this could be a great game. Both of these teams easily could win this game. Both of these teams could easily go on and win the Super Bowl, realistically. Let's be real here. Like Both these teams are playing elite football right now. So we'll see what happens. But I do like the Bills a little bit, just because I know the matchup, the Ravens offense should be able to succeed, but the Bills, they've just it just seems like that kind of year in Buffalo, where things are clicking right, and it's one of those years where the magic's on their side. So give me Buffalo on a game-winning drive from Josh Allen in the last two minutes to squeak it out, send them on to the AFC Championship game. And, you know, probably Kansas City. But who knows? Because that's the first game on Sunday. Kansas City hosting the Browns, who uh, we said in our show last week, myself, Mel, and Sean, that we were taking the Steelers because the Browns... Actually, I don't know if they said they were taking the Steelers. I honestly don't remember. But I know I said I was going to take the Steelers, but either way, we didn't see them beating Buffalo. That's who they ran into in the next round. But the Browns came out and just laid a whooping 
on Pittsburgh. They whooped them. That was horrible from Pittsburgh. First snap of the game into the end zone. Buffalo gets on it for a touchdown. And then Ben throws a pick at other touchdowns. 28-0, like eight minutes into the game. And it's just over at that point. And that's the Browns without their head coach, without six starters, I think it was. Denzel Ward didn't play. Now they got Kansas City, which is a whole other animal from Pittsburgh. Let's be real. But the Browns got all the momentum in the world right now. They beat Pittsburgh two weeks in a row, one in Heinz Field for like the first time in 17 years, whatever it was. First playoff game in 18 years, and they win it. And it's an awesome win, and they dominate. And they're doing it with guys signed off the Jets practice squad that drove over to Cleveland and met Baker Mayfield before the game in the locker room for the first time kind of thing. Awesome story there. And I think they'll give Cleveland a game because they've got a good run game. They can keep that great Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes off the field. But I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it again. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, and no one else can do Chiefs things. They just can't. No one does what the Chiefs do. You can be up 10 points, and 10 minutes later, you're down 10 points because the Chiefs. And it's just, it's just ridiculous how good that offense is. They've had a week off. So they've schemed a bit for the Browns this week. They had a week to get healthy. Hopefully Tyree kills, you know, tweaked hamstring that he's been getting, coming to the sideline, getting it massaged, and it's been a pretty big focus on television. Hopefully that's all good to go for Saturday, or Sunday. This is the early game, Sunday at 3 o'clock. But if he's good to go and that whole Chiefs offense is clicking, they're not losing to anyone if that offense is clicking. And it hasn't clicked a lot this year. Like, when you look at Buffalo, they've been thumping teams by 30 points. The Chiefs have been squeaking by. But is that because the Chiefs are bad or because the Chiefs were kind of just like, eh, this isn't the playoffs yet, we don't have to try? It's always a dangerous game if that's how you're looking at it. Like, are you going to be able to turn that, flip that switch for the playoffs? But to me, the Chiefs, that's just kind of what they've done. You know, last year in the playoffs, they went down 10, 14 points. They went down 24 to Houston. They went down 10 nothing to Tennessee. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter to San Francisco, or they were down, I think, yeah, they were down 10 in the fourth quarter to San Francisco in the Super Bowl, and they just, you know, snap, they're in the lead. Touchdown drive, touchdown drive, the defense makes a play when it needs to. It's just what they do, and I like the Browns, I really do. I wasn't super high on the Browns last week, because they were missing so much. They should be getting guys back, but in some ways, this feels like a bit of a letdown game for Cleveland. You know, yeah, they have house money, but they got their big win in the playoffs, they destroyed their rival. And Pittsburgh's embarrassing themselves with Chase Claypool being like, oh, they're going to get stumped by the Chiefs next week anyway. Who cares? Like, shut up, dude. You lost. They blew your ass out on your own field. Like, just stop complaining about the Browns because your team didn't show up last week. Period. And that might be the end for Big Ben in Pittsburgh as well. Who knows? That's a story for another day. We'll definitely talk about that more at some point. But the Browns get the huge win over a huge rival. Big-time playoff win. First time in 17, 18 years, whatever it's it's been. So, yeah. They're riding high going into Cleveland, but they might be riding a bit too high, and then Cleveland just smacks them down. I don't think it'll be a blowout too much, but I do think the Chiefs are going to win by 10 points-ish. Like I think the Browns, they'll hang around because they can't keep the Chiefs' offense off the field, and I think the Chiefs have been a bit hit or miss at times this year. And if the Browns catch the Chiefs on a bad day like the Falcons did, the Browns will win this game. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to have a bad game for the whole game. Because even if they have a bad couple quarters, if they're within 10 points... They could turn that around in five minutes. We've seen them do it before. You know, they were down 24 nothing in the second quarter to Houston. And by the time halftime hit, they were up 28-24. I know Houston made some stupid mistakes. But the point is, that offense, you, can, you can't take your foot off the gas pedal when you're playing the Chiefs. Because no lead is safe. And not that the Browns are going to take their foot off the gas pedal. But at the same time, they might come out 
and just have a little bit of a letdown off the start, and the Chiefs just get in the lead right off the bat, and then the Browns aren't, they're playing from behind, and yeah, they might be able to come back, but once, if the Chiefs get any of that momentum, they might not let it go, because we've seen that's a tough place to win the playoffs, even when the Patriots went in there a couple years ago, it took overtime, and that quarterback, I'm not betting against him, I'm not betting against Mahomes, I'm not betting against Andy Reid, because they have proven the last couple of years they just win these kinds of games now, it's just what they do. 14-2 regular season, 14-1 with the starters playing, and yeah, they didn't look great, but 14-1 is 14-1. And, and even that game against the Raiders, that was because the defense played terribly. The offense showed up, but the defense didn't look great. Yeah, the defense, you know, they, they've been questionable the whole time. That's been the questionable unit on the team. The Browns, they'll be able to score some points because that run game has been great. Baker's in great rhythm right now, but it's the Chiefs is kind of just how I'm looking at this one. So I think the Chiefs, they'll hang 35, 34, 35 points. I think the Chiefs are going to win this one like 34-24, and I don't think the Browns are going to play bad. Or anything and I don't even think they're gonna have that much of a letdown but just a little bit of an emotional letdown after a big win last week and that's too much for the Chiefs because that's how good they are I think the Browns are focused don't get me wrong they're gonna be prepared but just if they just get stunned for one play that's all the Chiefs need and we've seen them do it to almost every team they've played it's just one little gap and they take it and they run with it for 20 points in 10 minutes and I, I've harped on it so many times because it's just mind-blowing every time they do it because they do it so consistently. It's not just a random offensive outburst. It's an offensive outburst every week or two, where it's just, how do you stop this team? That's the big question. Maybe the Browns have the answers, because we haven't seen anyone be able to do it very consistently, not for an entire 60 minutes at least. So we'll see, but I got the Chiefs 34-24. I saw the, I had the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, so I got to roll with that, even with how great the Browns looked last week. And your final game of the weekend is the two old quarterbacks, Brady and Breeze in the Superdome, Bucks at Saints. And this is an interesting one because the Saints swept the regular season. They won week one in the Superdome and then went in uh, early November. They went in on Sunday Night Football and absolutely dominated Tampa Bay. And that was maybe one of the worst games Tom Brady has ever played in his career. But that's a very different Bucks team. That was when Antonio Brown was still trying to get it, you know, you know get acclimated to that offense. Chris Godwin was still dealing with the broken hand. I know he had a lot of drops last week in Washington, but... He's been playing better the last couple weeks. This Bucks offense has started to click since late December on. They look like a completely different team. And the Saints, they haven't looked particularly awesome. You know, they, they dominated that Bears game, but the Bears did absolutely nothing on offense, partially because the Saints' defense is great, don't get me wrong. But the Bears' offense isn't particularly scary. Javon Williams dropped the trick play in the end zone, and that was really their only chance. But the Saints, you know, they let the Bears hang around for a while in that game. It, the final score was a blowout, but... It wasn't, it was kind of close. Like, the, the Saints were always going to win that game, watching it. But the score was a lot closer than it seemed, because the Saints just weren't punching in those extra touchdowns. Like, the Saints could have won that game by 40 points, how bad the Bears played offensively and how great the Saints' defense was. But the Saints' offense has just been a little awful here. And I don't necessarily think that the Bucks are better than the Saints, but the Bucks have definitely looked better than the Saints the last couple weeks. The Saints, you know, they, they looked great against Minnesota. Don't get me wrong, Christmas. But they didn't look great against the Bears. The Bucks again, didn't look that great against Washington at times. Taylor Heineke, I think, had 300 yards. But Tampa Bay's offense looks like it's finally started to click. We saw it at the end of the regular season. We saw it. A pretty decent offensive showing against Washington. And the Bucks look like, I guess, the hotter of the two teams. Because the Saints, we talked about it last week, their offense has always just looked a bit off all season. I know they didn't have Michael Thomas and... Camaro looked good last week against the Bears. That was the big bright spot in that offense. But the Bucs offense has been a juggernaut the last couple weeks. So they've been the hotter of the two teams. 
and that usually bodes well come playoff time, especially with um, the whole cliche of having to beat a team three times is really hard to do. The Saints are going to have to try to do that this week. And the Saints two wins that they've already had. The Bucks are a completely different team with the way they're playing right now. Obviously, you know, the scheme, the players, yeah, it's similar, but that team has figured something out down the stretch that they had not figured out when they played the Saints the first two times. That's a huge difference. They're, it's such a different team to have to game plan for at this point with that offense coming together. Brown's been great down the stretch. Gronk's really had a resurgence in his career, and he got on that touchdown streak. So they look like a very different team to have to prepare for. I still think the Saints will do a good job preparing for it, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to put them over the top in this one. I want to say the Saints will find a way to get the job done, but I do think that Tampa Bay, this seems like the perfect time where a team lost twice, but then completely found a new rhythm and is playing like a completely different team and isn't going to necessarily catch the Saints off guard, but they're going to play so much better than they played in either of those other two meetings. I'm also aware that if I pick the Saints, I'm going to have one versus two and one versus two in both conferences, which, yeah, it's boring. I do think those are the two best teams for a reason. But I also don't see the uh, the home teams going 4-0 this weekend. I could see the Ravens picking up a win in Buffalo, although I've talked about how I really am, am riding with Buffalo a bit this year. I think they've just got that, that little magic touch this year. So I'll go with Tampa Bay. Like I've said, I haven't really been super impressed by either team all year. I've always thought Tampa Bay was... Not very good, but they've clicked the last couple weeks, and the Saints, I think, are good, but they haven't been the Saints that we've expected from the past couple years. Drew Brees, he's getting older. Michael Thomas has been banged up, so that offense hasn't quite clicked like it's clicked in the past. So I think Tampa Bay has been the hotter team, and it's that whole beating teams three times in a year is hard to do thing. I do think the Saints definitely could win this game, don't get me wrong, because, like I said, I have not been very high on Tampa Bay all year. But this just seems like the kind of game where... Like you know, like I just said, Tampa Bay, they have changed so much from the last time they played. They'll just have that extra little bit that they need to get the job done. And I think they go into the Superdome and win probably about 27 to 20, 21. Yeah, 27 21. Let's go with that. That's a good score. 27 21. Again, could be very wrong here. I also see Baltimore definitely winning on the road in Buffalo because they're really good. Even though I do like Buffalo, don't get me wrong, I like Buffalo. But yeah, so that would give me Green Bay hosting Tampa Bay in the conference championship, along with Buffalo going to Kansas City in the AFC. Obviously, winners meet in the Super Bowl. I'll go with that. I already said I think I have the Chiefs over the Packers in the episode from last week, episode 16. So if you want to hear some more rationale behind that, uh, check that episode out, even though it's a bit dated at this point. So yeah, that's my picks. Give me the, uh, the Chiefs over the Browns. Give me the Bills over the Ravens, although I think that will be the best game of the weekend. I'll take the Packers over the Rams and the Buccaneers over the Saints, although that one I'm very on the fence about, but I, I'll take the Bucks because I do think they've played a bit better football down the stretch. So I'll, ta- I'll take Tampa Bay in that one. But yeah, that's my divisional weekend preview picks. So it should be another great weekend of football. Four good divisional weekend games. Pretty excited for all of them. And of course, the conference championship games and the Super Bowl still to come. Hopefully baseball free agency starts heating up as well with spring training just you know, a month away at this point, 80% of the players still to sign. So hopefully some stuff starts happening there. Although you never know with baseball, the off seasons are always pretty weird. Either way, plenty to look forward to in the next few weeks. Also check me out on Twitter at K underscore underscore locker. And I'll have the link in the description. You can just click on that or just search it up on Twitter. Tweet me your picks to the divisional games. I've got my picks. I want to hear your picks. So tweet me those. 
Do you agree with me? Disagree with me? Let me know. Either way, looking forward to finding out. This has been episode 17 of the Midnight Snacks with Kyle Lay podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm Kyle Lockhart. Until next time, have a good night, everybody.